Hello and welcome to the Pixel Swim podcast, episode 43. This is the podcast where I take a dive into my personal journey through design and technology and where they meet, plus other little tidbits that I find interesting. My name is Steve Heinrich, your host, as usual. Uh, This episode is being recorded on Tuesday, November 13th, 2018, and will be released on Thursday, November 15th, 2018. So uh, right in the middle there is November 14th, which is a Wednesday, is um, my anniversary with my wife. uh, Our ninth ninth anniversary, crazy enough, we got married in 2009, so nine years. Uh, Happy anniversary. I'm not sure if she'll hear this one or not, but I wanted to put that on the tapes. (laughs) Anyway, so... If you want to visit pixelswim.com for all of the show notes and social links, you can follow along with everything that I'm talking about today and connect and leave feedback via the show notes page. There's a comment section or email me at steve at pixelswim.com or visit me on Google Plus or Twitter or MeWe. (laughs) All links on the website at pixelswim.com. So let's start off like we usually do with our weekly notes, feedback, and links. And I just wanted to first thank Kyle Helms for making me realize I'm not the only paranoid one out there. (laughs) So I uh, emailed back and forth with Kyle again this week. And yeah, he's basically is is as skeptical as I am. So thank you, Kyle, for that, for uh, always good conversation. So. I was kind of getting really paranoid in the last episode, uh, hence the part of the title where I literally wrote the word conspiracy. <laughs> it's kind of going over just some of my thoughts on the, you know, the collection of data by all these third party companies or data, whichever way you want to say it either way. So yeah, thanks again, Kyle. Uh, another note, some just a note for this week. Uh, I, I mentioned in, the past, in a past show about the Soda Pop blue, Bluetooth speaker, which I actually put on order and it was supposed to be here in November. Now we're halfway through November and I haven't seen any sort of shipping updates, but I did check the Indiegogo page for that Soda Pop speaker. And it seems like they're just a, maybe a, a week or two behind on production, but there was an update, I think, in October uh, mentioning that delay. So... Hopefully I'll get it by December sometime. So I'm really looking forward to getting that speaker in so I can take a, you know, take it for a spin, <laughs> the soda bottle for a spin because it screws on. Anyway, so here's to hoping that that still happens. But I just wanted to pop that note in there real quick. And another note for this week is for you to check out Guillermo Ortiz's new podcast called Tech Talk Tuesday, and I have a link to the uh, episode, his first episode on Stitcher. So if you want to go listen to that, it was very good, very good uh, first episode. I thought so Guillermo is going to be talking about kind of tech news and his thoughts on everything in the tech world. So go check that out. I definitely suggest it and follow along on Stitcher for now. And uh, if I get any new links, I will post those as well. And I'll try and mention them again in the future if I get new links to an RSS feed and all that stuff. But for now, check out the Stitcher link in the notes. And uh, yeah, very, very well done. Uh, first episode of a, of a podcast. And you can tell Guillermo is really uh, 
big tech fan. <laughs> He's a listener of the, of my podcast too, so you know that he has to be. <laughs> he has to be because who would listen to somebody ramble on about tech if they weren't into it? So yeah, check out that Stitcher link in the show notes for Guillermo's podcast. All right, so the last bit of feedback, those were a few notes. Uh, I get talked about the feedback from Kyle Helms, but the last bit of feedback that's going to kind of lead me into... Oh, the main section of the show again, which, uh, spoiler, it's more about my <laughs> my data roadmap and trying to figure things out with my email and, and, and accounts and, and stuff like that and kind of moving away from Google. But either way, the last bit of feedback that I have is from Frank Neathart, who, again, he left uh, some feedback on the show notes page. And you can do that at pixelswim.com. For this episode, you can find the comment section there. And he left the some feedback. And he started off by saying that he remembers or he brought up the fact that Microsoft had the Scroogled campaign, which a few years ago, and basically talking about the 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 commercials where where Microsoft was sort of touting that they're not reading your emails. And kind of a compare and contrast to Google in this Google ad campaign. And I do kind of remember that. I don't remember it specifically, but when as soon as I saw the word Google, I did remember that that was a thing. But it just kind of goes along with everything that I've been talking about as far as Microsoft not re- reading your emails for advertising purposes and, and just the kind of data that they track and all that stuff. And I and Frank also mentions that somewhere along the lines ai is in it, microsoft does essentially feed all of your emails and stuff into some sort of sort of ai but they're not making money with the advertising advertising services so they're kind of using the data in a different way which i think is fine to you know search through and and use the the data for as as a part of the service and now google and and please, someone correct me if I'm wrong, but I know Google takes all that email data and does offer some services on top of their service to, you know, find flight data and package data and stuff like that, uh, tracking data. And they do take some of that data and kind of feed it back into the service to make the service better. But they also use it to improve their advertising algorithms and kind of create your profile even more so. And then what I'm guessing is that Microsoft uses your emails to improve the services and not much else. (laughs) I didn't dig too much further into the privacy policies. Yeah, I won't be talking about those again this week yet. So I haven't dug back into those, but I'm sure I will at some point. But Frank also wanted to offer up a few tricks with the Office 365 personal and home subscription. So he offered up a few ideas ideas to kind of save some money on those subscriptions because basically right now I have the personal subscription which is technically just for one user and so I get the one terabyte of OneDrive space outlook.com premium features and as Frank mentions you actually get 60 free minutes of Skype uh, PSTN calls per month not sure what the PSTN is (laughs) But either way, and that's for each user. Um, Right now, that means it's just for me because I have the personal one-person account. So I am looking 
uh, at moving both my wife and I over to Microsoft's services. So that would mean that I would probably be better off with a home subscription. So we could each have our own terabyte of storage and inbox and and shared calendar and all that stuff. But either way, Frank was offering up tips to save a little bit of money on the Office 365 subscription. So he the first tip that he had is that you can find vouchers that are on sale for Office 365. I, I, I kind of asked where you would find those vouchers and he linked to a couple websites, but one of the major ones was Amazon. So essentially you can purchase the Office 365 home or personal subscription 12 month subscription on Amazon and have it have a either a download or a key card shipped to you but essentially what this is on Amazon is the office home subscription office 365 home is 99.99 if you buy it through Microsoft and you can get one of these 12 month subscription cards from Amazon for $84.99. So you can save $15 if you go that route. And then you can use that and plug it into your Microsoft account and have saved a little bit of money. And the personal version of Office 365 is what I have now. I think I pay $69.99 a year. There is a downloadable version of this key card or whatever you want to call it a subscription on Amazon for $49.99. So it's actually a $20 savings. So that's one way to save on these subscriptions. And why not? That's for a whole year. And so with that in mind, Frank, actually, the next suggestion he had is to purchase a lot of the personal plan codes, You purchase like a few of them, maybe like three years worth, <laughs> plug them all into your account and then upgrade to home. And it says it will he says this will give you all the months paid in advance for and it will be as a home subscription. So essentially paying for the years of personal and then upgrading into the home subscription. So that's another tip that he had there. And then the last tip that he had, and I'm this one I'm going to try out definitely, is to cancel the automatic renewing feature that you have on your Microsoft account. And I guess Microsoft once your renewal date comes around, they will send you an email for a month free. And you can take advantage of that and then turn the automatic subscription or the automatic payment renewing feature back on and be set and have a free month. So really great tip. Thank you, Frank, for suggesting all of this. Just a, a great idea to look at, you know, kind of ways to save just a little bit on these subscriptions, because because why not? You know, if they're out there, take it. It's best to to take advantage of them. But I will put a link to the Amazon.com page that has all of these Microsoft sub- Office 365 subscription service things. <laughs> uh, they It looks pretty legit. There are customer reviews here, and there are some negative ones here. And I'm not 100% sure it's on the downloadable version of the of these subscription cards, basically. And my guess is that perhaps some of these people don't understand that it's this isn't necessarily that you're downloading software and it's that you're actually just more than likely getting a code that you're putting into your Microsoft account. And then from Microsoft, you download the actual software. I'm guessing that's what it is. I don't know why there would be <laughs> this many 
negative reviews on there, but there's also some really positive ones. So suggesting that the download version actually works. So I don't know what to what to think on that. It's a little off putting, but might be worth the the risk, I guess, to save 20 bucks on a personal subscription or 15 on a home subscription. But anyway, look in the show notes for that link to the Amazon page for those. And thanks again, Frank, for suggesting it. But with that said, I will go into kind of my main section here, (laughs) which I already alluded to was, I might as well just call it my, it's my data roadmap. It's, you know, figuring out my data roadmap. And uh, at this point, it's kind of with the subtitle, my adventures into Microsoft (laughs) and Microsoft, the Microsoft ecosystem. So this last week, I actually kind of decided that I would just, I'm just going to dive in and start and start the process, maybe even accelerate the process a little bit of moving over to Outlook.com for my email contacts and calendar and moving and using OneDrive for all of my stuff. Uh, I, I haven't completely moved over yet, but I did do quite a few things this week and kind of exploring the avenues of trying to get all of my stuff slowly over to uh, Microsoft's services, uh, Outlook.com being one of the big ones that I worked on this week. So one thing that I noticed on the Outlook Android app is that your contacts from Outlook, because I loaded in my contacts into my Outlook.com account or my the people section of my, I guess, Microsoft account uh, slash Outlook.com account. <laughs> I'm just going to call it Outlook from here on out because that's kind of where the email contacts and calendar live. And then I'll refer to OneDrive and all that. Anyway, so on the Outlook app for Android, I noticed that the contacts don't show up in when you set up your Outlook.com account in the Android app, it does not load your Outlook at uh, contacts into the phone contact section. So like the system contact section. So it didn't show up. And I actually had to go into the Outlook app settings to enable permissions for it, which I was kind of surprised that the app wouldn't ask for those permissions automatically up front after logging in that they wouldn't ask for the contacts permissions to let them be part of the system settings. So that was just kind of a weird little quirk that I noticed. And also, uh, speaking of the contacts and what I did with those this week, one of the things that I did when, uh, not this week, but when I was setting those contacts up, I think last week, I started to organize them into folders because if you use the people web page app outlooks people web page or web app i guess you could say you can organize your contacts into folders or contact lists and so what i was doing is i was you know i created a folder for family a folder for friends a folder for work kind of a thing and so i move you know moved contacts into the corresponding folders and out of the main contacts folder. So the main contacts folder was just kind of the miscellaneous contacts. But what I noticed is that when I did that, 
and I actually test, I was kind of playing with my Lumia devices this week or my Windows phone devices. And so I was, you know, because I wanted to see how it all synced up with those Lumia devices uh, as far as the contacts and the calendar and all that stuff goes just to test it out. And I noticed that any it took a little bit to figure this out, but any contact that I put into one of those folders did not sync across into the main contacts in Windows phone or any of the basically they weren't part of the main contacts list if I had moved them into a folder. So I've discovered this and then I moved them all out of the folders and kind of abandoned the folder organizing structure. And in the the people web page or the web app for Outlook, you can also create contact lists, which I was like, okay, I'll just use the lists instead. This way they're not moved out of the folder. They're just marked appropriately. But this didn't really work because or it's not going to work for me because when you create, say, like uh, I was creating a contact list for my family, you can only add contacts that have an email address to these contact lists. And that didn't work for me because not I don't have email addresses for all the members of my family and in my contacts. So I did not I was not able to use really utilize those to the fullest. And really what those contact lists are for in the the people web app is to create a quick, quickly referenced list to email. So basically those contact lists are email specific and they're not really a, a good way to organize your contacts for, say, a phone book, <laughs> which is really what I was trying to do for my, you know, when I pull the contacts into my phone, I want to have those different lists so I can easily sort of filter out, filter out, but, you know, family, friends and work and all that kind of stuff. But once I, you know, kind of discovered I wasn't really going to be able to do any of that, I just decided to just keep them all in one lump in the main contact section and know that I don't have enough contacts where I'm going to get confused. I just thought it would be nice to to be able to organize them a little bit. And you can, but there clearly are caveats to some of the ways that you can organize them in Outlook's People app. So with that said, I basically have all my contacts up and running in Microsoft and my Outlook account.com account. And so the next obvious big section of that was to set up the calendar. And so that was pretty straightforward because in my contact information, I have everybody's birthdays that I had, you know, that I can get my hands on. I always put plug their birthdays into the contacts or into my contact details whenever I find it out. So those all get loaded into the calendar into the Outlook calendar pretty easily. All the birthdays show up. They have all, you know, it's it's they have all the basic settings for your out you know for your calendar it's not a ton different as far as you know what it loads in and stuff like that but the one other thing i did with the calendar too was because my wife is still on gmail i had to t find a public link to her calendar her gmail calendar and sort of load that into the outlook calendar so i could see the events that she had posted in there as well because we were sharing calendars via google so we were able to sync our, you know, our calendars fairly easily across our Gmail accounts. But with her on Gmail and me 
kind of trying to figure out a way to go onto Outlook, it was necessary to kind of manually pull that in, you know. So I don't know if I the link that I put in will continue to pull in new events that she adds. I doubt it, but I think at least anything she's added up until the point that I put in the link or to add the special calendar in Outlook. I think everything up to that was loaded in, but we'll see. I'm like I said, I'm looking to get her onto an Outlook account as well, but that won't be necessarily anytime soon. But yeah, so I got the the calendar pretty much all set up and and that works, you know, really not that difficult. I pulled in some manually created events that I had in my Gmail calendar. I still kind of have to finish going through my Gmail calendar and make sure I've got everything brought in and all of the, you know, yearly repeating events that I kind of manually added need to need to double check that I've got all those in there. So that basically uh, the I could, you know, I can say the contacts in the calendar for Outlook are pretty much set up and usable at this point. So that kind of brings me into the the main section of the move over to Outlook. Well, the second I'm going to talk in the future, I'm going to talk about OneDrive. But for right now, I'm t- I'm mainly kind of covering Outlook, Contacts, Calendar, and Mail. So yeah, the big section this week that I was moving everything to was getting everything set up in Outlook, in Outlook Mail, or Outlook.com, the mail portion, (laughs) the email, web app, whatever you want to call it, basically getting everything into Outlook. So there was a few things that I came across this week, things that I didn't realize <laughs> were not working anymore in Outlook.com or the features that they were offering. So essentially how I had my Gmail account set up before, and I've mentioned it in the past, is that I had a in the settings in Gmail, I had my email address, Steve at Pixelswim.com, Basically, I set up the a pop account in the Gmail settings to pull in all of the email off the hosting, my hosting server, so it can pull it in and, and, and just keep everything in Gmail. And then also set up an alias in Gmail so I can send and receive as, as Steve at Pixelswim.com. So basically, a, sort of a unified inbox in Gmail, so I don't have to manage a bunch of inboxes. And so... It, you know, everything worked really well there. The the pop server on G, with Gmail, it, it fetched, you know, like every 15 minutes or so. So the emails didn't always come in instantaneously. But that's, you know, for email, that's not a big deal. And so basically in the past, I because I've used, you know, I've looked at Outlook.com for many years, just never really committing to it. And so in the the settings prior there is a section to add connected accounts, basically how I just described it being set up in Gmail. And so I guess, and, and it's, they, there's, <laughs> this is the really frustrating part is that it's no longer supported. And it's like, as of this October, literally, it just became not supported anymore where you cannot add a pop or IMAP account anymore into your outlook.com connected connected accounts. And so 
that sucks because <laughs> I was really hoping that feature would be some, you know, it was basically going to replace that feature in Gmail. And I thought that that would be, you know, a no brainer, super easy to do. And so, yeah, it's it's not obvious that it's no longer supported because there's no message in the Outlook.com settings, advanced settings that says that these connected accounts are no longer supported. And so essentially it will let you type in all of the information, your your server settings, your incoming server, your outgoing server and, you know, passwords and usernames and all that. And then you hit OK and it loads for a second. The the dialogue with all of the information disappears and nothing shows up in your connected account section and with no message, no anything. So I had to do a little bit of digging and found the Microsoft support article, which I can link to that mentions that it is no longer supported at the top of it. So that was kind of frustrating, I guess. But with that said, if you do want to, because basically that was going to help me to use my own domain name, use the Steve at pixelswim.com in my outlook.com email inbox just like I was with Gmail. And so that's not all hope is lost with that. I'll get to that in a second. But it also I think that they are doing this because they are offering a service. (laughs) I think that kind of lets you it will let you use your own custom domain name in out with outlook.com or your outlook service. Uh, As long as it's hosted through GoDaddy, (laughs) as long as the domain name is hosted through GoDaddy, you can connect, basically connect your GoDaddy domain name to your Outlook.com account and use, you know, be able to send and receive email with that account. And so it looks like some sort of partnership. And I did find uh, some support articles or some note somewhere that Microsoft said it's that other domain registers registrars are coming possibly, you know, possibly coming soon. (laughs) So I, it's funny that that's the case because I actually, when I first started buying domain names was using GoDaddy. I mean, I was, I was actually, I was one of those suckers who, you know, the uh, Super Bowl ads over here in the U S the GoDaddy commercials, when they very the very first Super Bowl where they or the very first time that GoDaddy showed commercials on the Super Bowl. I mean, I didn't know I didn't have a website, so it was kind of those ads worked basically. And I, I started using GoDaddy to buy domain names. And I actually in the past few years have gotten away from them. I've transferred all of my GoDaddy domain names to name.com and i highly doubt that name.com will become one of the registrars that outlook uses unless they get some sort of partnership there so i'm just guessing that because i didn't go through the process because i don't have any GoDaddy go uh, domain names i'm just guessing that microsoft is basically using some sort of api into GoDaddy to change the mx records in the dns settings i'm just guessing that that's what they're doing and they've you know figured out an automated way to do that where you can just do it through a simple user interface in outlook.com and yeah so that's the only way to truly get your custom domain name in there so 
like I was saying a little bit ago, all hope is not lost for that, though. So what I've ended up doing for now, this is just for now until I can figure out a better solution is I've gone into my shared hosting account and I forwarded all of the email that to for Steve at pixelswim.com to my Outlook email address. And so essentially everything gets, you know, everything that comes in gets forwarded right in there. And luckily there are headers in the email that let you know that it is from or to Steve at pixelswim.com. And then what I also did in outlook.com is I set up a new alias because you can still set up an alias to send and receive from a different account. And so I can, I set up Steve at pixelswim.com as an alias. And so that allows me to send and receive with that email address. I just had to, basically you set it up in outlook.com or your Microsoft account and you, they send you a verification email and then you click that (laughs) <laughs> they send a verification email to the the new alias you set up and then you just verify it and you can then send and receive in or not you can send as that alias in outlook.com but it uses outlook's servers to send the email so it will show it does show up and i you know doing some testing sending some emails from my outlook.com email address to my my Gmail account, and it will say it says Steve Heinrich via Outlook. So that's it basically adds on. There's some headers in there for Outlook that will show that it came from Outlook servers and not your own domains servers. So which really isn't that big of a deal, especially because I don't, you know, I'm not it's not a vital that that that's, you know, not in there or anything like that. So That's just kind of how I set it up. But with that said, too, on my shared hosting, when I had it set, the the pop account set up in Gmail, you could fetch the emails into Gmail and then delete the original email off the the hosting server. And so that's what I was doing and it kept it nice and cleaned up on my hosting server. But with when you just forward the email address, all of the email gets you know is still on your hosting your your share your, my shared server so basically over time it's going to build my inbox on my hosting account is going to basically just build up over time and so periodically i'm going to have to go in and delete the just you don't i don't have to but i i'd prefer to go in and period periodically delete all of the emails in that email account on my my shared hosting server so and that's just you know that's just me that's kind of the thing i want to do but with that said too i've also been looking into a a cron job which basically is just something you can set up on your your web server to run automatically every once in a while to run a certain script every once in a while so i'm looking at trying to clear out the inbox folder on my server automatically with a with a cron job. And so I'm getting closer <laughs> to figuring out the right command for that. So say say essentially every week the a script will run. You can set it up so a script will run and clear out the folder or the inbox so you don't have to do it by yourself. It just gets run automatically and I'm getting that I'm getting closer to having that up and working. So we shall we shall see. Uh, another thing in Outlook.com 
this is kind of separate now basically now i've got my I, my email all pointed towards outlook.com and so i also have my gmail still open so in my browser in firefox i have two pin tabs i have my gmail account and my outlook account both open and so essentially i've been slowly also kind of changing all of my subscriptions and anything that goes to specifically my gmail account i've been updating all of my uh, online accounts to point to my outlook account so over time eventually the gmail account will stop receiving emails altogether so we shall you know it's going to be a process but it's just kind of what you have to do especially since i've been using gmail for about almost 10 years so it's a you know it's a process that when it's once you know it'll eventually be done but i'm not in, in any rush you know <laughs> to figure out all of the accounts that i need to to change but either way i was also about to mention that in outlook.com they have a what they call a safe links setting and it's a security setting in outlook.com and in your outlook email where basically if there say there's just a straight up link to something in the email like full url the back end of outlook.com will convert all of those email those links in your email to some ridiculously long secure email <laughs> So say that you are using like you or you link to a YouTube video, which is usually youtube.com slash, you know, rant, some short random set of characters or number. I, I think it's just characters, but uh, character. either way, you have a short YouTube link. It will basically take that YouTube link and run it and and create a what they're calling a safe link. And it's like I was just saying, it's a ridiculously long <laughs> link that it gets replaced with in your email. So say you have a few links, it, it basically, you know, doubles the the size of your email or the, the, the amount of text in your email. And it's really annoying. I don't get a lot of malicious emails. And usually when I do, they either get chucked into spam or I can really recognize them right away. So you in the premium version of Outlook, which you get with your subscription, you can turn off the a, a certain security setting to kind of stop them from creating those ridiculous links and making everything look completely ridiculous. For for me, for it's really for for no reason. You know, I'm I'm kind of in the habit of hovering over a link and checking out what the actual URL is at the bottom of the screen, you know, it kind of shows you the the link preview in the bottom. So I'm in the habit of that. So I don't need a bunch of ridiculously long links to keep me safe. <laughs> but I can see why uh, they did that. I don't understand why they had to make all of these safe links super long. I'm sure there's a reason for it. But that's a setting that I have turned off in Outlook.com. And overall, the web version of Outlook, which is Outlook.com, is really, you know, Google and Gmail are still the best, I feel like, web app for email. Uh, the Outlook.com email is not perfect. You know, it's really, really not. And so I've been using it and it, it really isn't that bad. You know, it's it's fairly fast. Uh, it, I would say the speed wise and, and kind of lagginess wise, it's about 
you know, similar to the new Gmail setup, which is a zing <laughs> on Gmail. But either way, I've also kind of looked at potentially using third party, you know, email apps. And I was looking at Thunderbird, which is Fire Mozilla's email client that essentially these days looks like Firefox, but for email. <laughs> but uh, if you've ever used it, it's a pretty useful and handy tool. And, you know, it's not it's it's not the most beautiful interface. Uh, it is very, you know, it's what you would expect from a browser email client, <laughs> but it works well. And so I've kind of looked at setting that up. But with that said, it to bring in your Outlook.com email contacts into Thunderbird. They, it, you can get your email in there pretty easily, but I can't find a good and easy way to sync my Outlook.com contacts and calendar in Thunderbird. So I'm still looking into that. Uh, and then basically any other email client that you can set up POP3 or IMAP accounts in, you know, because there are, you can get your settings for your Outlook.com account and plug those into an email client and with your username and password and and you, it's pretty you know easy to get outlook.com email into an email client it's just the contacts that contacts and calendar that are a little bit tri tricky if you go with a third party now on windows 10 i have been kind of trying out the windows 10 mail application which actually isn't really that bad uh it's you know it's pretty straightforward and simple uh the one thing about it is that you can't <laughs> and this is uh just kind of a stickler thing but you can't uh choose your default email font <laughs> which uh, is something that i really like to set up and you can do that on outlook.com in the web app but you cannot do it in the windows 10 mail app and that's uh, unfortunate i mean it's not a you know it's not necessarily a deal breaker but I kind of prefer to be able to control the look of the email that I'm sending. But again, that might just be me. But either way, I also because I do have the Office 365 subscription, I tried opening the full fledged Outlook application and setting up the account in there. But I, I realized not too long after kind of setting it up and going through everything that I've never really liked using Outlook. I used it for work for uh, many years when I first started working at the Java mat and I didn't mind it really that much. But for for professional purposes, it's very full, full featured and fully fledged uh, email client. And but for my personal stuff, I like to keep it pretty simple. And that that app is just too much. <laughs> it's too much. So I'm, I'm not going to go that route. But uh, it's there's always that option. And it does pull everything in pretty easily, but it's just too, too much. Uh, I, I don't, I don't want to say it's clunky because it's not clunky. It's just overkill. That's the word I'm looking for. It's just overkill for what I want. But it's always an option, I guess, <laughs> since I am technically paying for it. But yeah, so I've just been looking into third party clients and kind of testing those out and, and seeing if, you know, it's any better. <laughs> than the outlook.com webmail app or web app, whatever you want to call it. But oh, and, and going back to the alias thing, because I added Steve at pixelswin.com as an alias in my Microsoft account. So that means that I can send emails as Steve at pixelswin.com through Outlook servers. I just said all that stuff. But I noticed that in the Outlook app on Android that you if you click on a quick reply, 
it doesn't allow you to choose which email address you're sending to. Okay, so how essentially it works in the in most of the like the the web app and and most email client or Outlook.com and Windows 10 Mail app is that when an email is sent to a certain email address or an alias in your account, your out, Outlook knows that. And so basically, if somebody sends something to Steve at Pixelswim.com, the when I hit reply in on Outlook.com or in the Windows 10 Mail app, I it will reply as Steve at Pixelswim.com. So I don't have to change it from my Outlook.com email address to Steve at Pixelswim.com. It will auto, automatically know. And so in the Outlook app on Android, it, if you use the quick reply option under an email, it seems like it will only send from your main Outlook account, no matter which email that you're responding to was sent to. So essentially not letting you send it, it, to me, that's kind of a bug, I guess, uh, because if you hit the full reply button in the Outlook app, it will send from whichever email address the original email was sent to. So uh, that's just another little note about the Outlook alias, all these tiny little things that I'm, you know, finding along the way. But I thought I would share it. I thought I would share all of my experiences with this stuff because you know, who knows if you're if anybody else is out there is looking at doing this kind of thing. It's nice to know the nuances, you know, especially the stuff about Outlook not supporting connected pop or IMAP accounts anymore and only going through GoDaddy for that. Uh, that to me, that's the most disappointing part so far. But like I said, there's it's not the it's not a deal breaker. So we work around it for now and maybe even in the future. Like, you know, I looked at the Office 365 premium subscription as well, which is kind of like the business subscription where you can pull in your own custom domain and stuff like that. But I don't know if I want to go that far, <laughs> but we shall see. Uh, everything is up and kind of running as of right now. Like I said, I'm pretty much using Outlook.com email as my my main inbox right now. So Gmail has kind of become secondary and kind of just a cleanup zone at this point. And I'll just leave everything in there as a kind of an archive as far as, far as email goes. I'll still use my my Google account, you know, for other Google services like YouTube and stuff like that. But yeah, so that's kind of been my adventures this week into getting into Outlook and Microsoft, the Microsoft ecosystem. And so it kind of come a, a long way this week as far as moving everything over. I started doing some stuff with OneDrive. I'll go over that a little bit more in the future. And yeah, because that, that's a whole another project unto itself, moving all of the Google stuff over there. Uh, actually, it's really not <laughs> that I'm think now that I'm thinking about it. It's so more of just kind of re-uploading stuff. But anyway, I'll get to into that in the future. And keeping kind of in the same vein, the last little thing I want to talk about is that I started checking out Microsoft Azure, and this was on kind of in my conversations with Kyle Helms. I've kind of decided to look into Azure a little bit, which is Microsoft's sort of web or cloud server stuff. <laughs> um, I still couldn't give you an apt definition of what Azure is exactly. But the, I think the cloud services by Microsoft is probably 
the best way that I can put it as of right now. So I'm actually starting to look into how all of that works and trying, you know, to set up some free stuff in there or take advantage of the free trial and and see how the ins and outs of that work. So I have signed into the Azure portal and am looking through it and looking at some tutorials and just really trying to wrap my head around it a little bit. And also, yeah, this week too, I also actually looked at a little bit more of the GitHub stuff. I think that Ian Barton had mentioned in the past. So I was, <laughs> I think I'm trying to do too much right now. I probably should calm down a little bit, but either way, yeah, I've been trying out the Microsoft Azure stuff. So Kyle, I'll probably be reaching out to you at some point, Kyle. He knows a little bit about it. So, but either way, uh, it's always interesting. I love all this stuff. So it's, it's as overwhelming as it is. I'm not, not really upset. So Anyway, let's wrap things up here for the week. I think I've gone on long enough, and I'm sure if you're still listening, I can't believe it because I've been talking about this, getting away from Google and all my data and stuff like that for weeks now. So I'm always interested to hear anybody else's uh, data points as far as what they've done or the things that they suggest or stuff like that. So if you want to leave feedback on pixelswim.com, for in the on the show notes page or you can email me which if i haven't said steve at pixelswim.com a thousand times already that's my email address <laughs> and so you can also connect on social media and all that all that's on pixelswim.com and yeah so this was episode 43 and uh, we're not getting we're getting close to well not really getting close yet to 50 i mean it's still weeks away but uh we're pushing it we're getting up there so the weather here is starting to get cold, and that's kind of how I remember it being when I started the podcast. So I think that's part of what's, uh, you know, pushing me to look at what episode I'm on here. But anyway, let's wrap this up again. Uh, I just want to replug Guillermo's podcast. Uh, check the show notes out for that and for all the other links that I share that I talked about today. And yeah, I appreciate it as always. Any feedback is always welcome. And thank you for tuning in. Thank you so much for tuning in. <laughs> I can't believe there's still people tuning in. So it's amazing and uh, just appreciate it as always. So have a great night or lunch or dinner or brunch or coffee break or Taco Tuesday or whatever time it is when you're listening to this. So thanks again, and Godspeed. <laughs>